0: Proverbs chapter 13, and we'll start at verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20, and I'm reading from the the English Standard Version. Whoever walks with the wise becomes what? wise. Wise, right? But the companion of fools will suffer harm. And let's go to a couple chapters later to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to what? Ruin. Ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless this message. And just this time with teens, as we just talk heart to heart about wisdom, we ask you, God, that you would uh, speak to our hearts, take what we've heard already, and engrave it, Lord, in our spirit. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, We are finishing up. Just a theme on heart, and today I'd like us to start a new uh, theme on wisdom for the month of March, wisdom, and at the end of every, the end of every month we have this time with teens, because we just want to talk to the teens, encourage our teens, our awesome teens, we got great teens, don't we? And Kim, Miss Kim does a great job, where did she go? She disappeared. Great job Kim's doing with the teens, yeah, we can give her a hand. Yeah, is she around? She's drinking a coffee. coffee, okay, in the teen room. But she's been doing a great job. And um, I just want to tell you guys, just as I was driving here, um, you know what my passion as a pastor is? And I don't just say this, but I, it's really what I think about. Uh, sometimes I think, when I think about our teens, I think about you guys. I think about you guys by name, and I pray for you by name those that are here that are, and some of that are not here, that my real desire is that you guys would just discover Christ as I have discovered Christ. And I remember sitting in the, in the pew, listening to the pastor, hearing the same words, and just thinking, okay, great, you know, I got stuff to do this afternoon. But just I really, my passion, and, and the best way we can do this, the best way I can do it is I just want to communicate to you that God really desires the best for you and as we heard Chris state he, desi- he has a new heart for you and I just want to talk about wisdom and I know that uh, I know what you face um, I've been there, we've been there maybe a different date a different school a different culture, a different time but the world is the world and it doesn't change it's the same thing as centuries ago. It's just the strategy changes, but it's the same thing. And when we think about wisdom, the first thing that wisdom talks about when we read the book of Proverbs, you know the book of Proverbs? Do you know who wrote the book of Proverbs? And uh, One of the teams, can you guys tell me who wrote the book of Proverbs? Just shout it out. Who wrote it? Solomon. Solomon, Solomon was the son of... David, it is possible, and I've heard this taught and I I agree with it, I tend to agree with it, that Michael gets ten points. (laughs) Well, maybe one point. We don't want to puff anybody's head up too much. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs using the notes that his dad David taught him. I think when Solomon is writing this book. He's writing it after the fact of a lot of crazy experiences that he had as a man, as a young person. And he's going back to his dad's notes. His dad is probably gone, has probably died at this point, has definitely died at this point. And Solomon's going over his notes. You know, you ever break out notes that you've gotten from people from way back? And he's going over these notes and he's talking about friendship a lot, about friendship in the book of Proverbs and there's three things that I just want to say to you right from the beginning as, as people we are going to gravitate to people that we want to hang out with because they are like us right we just want to grab and this is for the adults too we gravitate towards people that we want to be with because they are like us and we want to surround ourselves with people that are like us don't we? we do that by default um, people that share our common interests, that are common values, sports, uh, things that we're interested with. And I want to speak slow because I want us to get this. And I'm not going to talk long. I just want to make a simple point here. And this is how cliques form. How many of you guys see cliques in school? I remember being seeing cliques in my high school. I went to probably the worst high school on the planet. It was so bad. It was just crazy. The the men's room would open up. I mean, the women's room door would open up and a green cloud would come out on the ceiling. They were smoking a lot of stuff in that, in that room. It was just the worst school, a lot of drugs and just a lot of craziness going on. And I would see all the time just these cliques, just cliques that would form. And these would be circles of people that they all looked the same. <laughs> they all had the same vocabulary and they all talked the same way and they all did the same things, just the same stupid stuff. And because they gravitated towards people that they liked and that that liked them and that had the same common values. Um, And I was discovering that as a teenager, and I grew up in a church, in a Christian home, that I don't choose friends that share my parents' values because I wasn't sharing my parents' values. And that was kind of a shock for my parents' I grew up in a. I grew up in a church. I went to Sunday school. I went to all these classes, and and uh, and, the, and the reality was, I remember I just discovered one day that in in um, I'd received Christ when I was nine, and I was thirteen or fourteen or whatever the age I was at this, and I realized I don't share my parents' values, and it was reflecting in the people that I was hanging out with, and my parents. My parents, being the loving, good-hearted people that they were and that they are, uh, really wanted the best for me. And so they did not know uh, really how to handle that. And so they reverted to um, controlling my social environment. They were, and, they, and this is what parents do, they, they, they create a safety zone for us because they love us. And I think we understand our parents better when we understand that what they do for us is because they love us right and and and, and I and I don't have kids but I know that if I had kids that would be the, I'd be so all over that and the second thing was the second thing I just want to say here is take your hand I just this is just a little thing I want to do with you guys take your hand open your hand look at it just look at your hand we're not going to read palms here this morning but just look at your hand and how many fingers do you have six. you should have 6 I mean I'm sorry <laughs> you should have 5 I have dyslexia, I'm sorry. You should have five fingers, right? <laughs> Wes has got five, he's got all well, hands up. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to look at each finger, and I want you to name a friend. You have five of your closest friends. Don't do it out loud, just but just quickly do it. Just right off the top of your head. It might be, don't overanalyze it, but just the five the five um, top friends you have, okay? I'll give you a couple seconds to do that. Anybody confused? <laughs> do we need to start over? So we have four fingers in one. Thumb. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, OK, your four, your four finger friends and your thumb friend. Okay? I want, you to, I want you to know that this is, and this is, you know, I don't know where this stat came from. I heard it the other day and I thought it was true, that we are becoming the five people that we spend the most time with. You are becoming that person that you're spending most of the time with, either online, or in person, you're becoming that person. Let's, let that sink in for a minute. Okay, you can put your hands down. I know some of you are still staring at your hands. Following instructions very well. You are becoming like your top most five friends that you spend most of our most of your time with, and that tells us that our community that we hang out with is forming us. And the third thing I want to say here, I'm going to get into this in a minute. Um, wise friendship. Wise friendship. The type of friends you have will determine the course of your life. The friends that you have will determine the course course of your life. And so how do we choose wisely? And This is what I want to just park at right here. How do we choose wisely? Well, I think that we need to define two words, wisdom and friendship. What is wisdom? And this is really going to kick us off for this month of the topic of wisdom. I was thinking this morning, you know, we've heard so many different um, great definitions of wisdom. Wisdom, I would say three things that I would like to say wisdom is for a teenager. Three things that wisdom is for a teenager. Number one, wisdom is knowing the right thing to do when no one is present to enforce the rules. Wisdom is knowing what to do when no one is present to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Okay, That's wisdom. Like, What do I do now when there's no moral rules that apply to this situation? And instead of living in situational ethics, we live in wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do when no one is around to enforce the rules. Number two, wisdom is taking what we know and doing it because of love. Wisdom is taking what we know and just doing it because of love. Knowledge is just knowing what to do and what to do, uh, but not necessarily having the energy or the desire to do it. I just know. I know better. Sometimes someone will say, well, I knew better. Of course you knew better, but... You lacked wisdom because wisdom is knowledge empowered by love. It's like when someone share when, when someone that loves us very much says something to us and we feel the impact of that love. And sometimes it takes years for that to happen. You know, sometimes it takes years for us to understand as a teen, and it it could take decades for us to understand how much. Somebody loves us. And when it impacts us, everything that they've ever said to us becomes just this amazing wisdom. Are you you catching what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Wisdom is when I take what I know and I just act on it because of love. For example, um, think of a time in your life where someone said something to you that you knew was right. And the way they said it to you... um, the love that was behind it just impacted you so much that you just had the you just had the the desire to do it even though it hurt you. Can you think of something like that? I just want to keep this in a conversational way with you. Wisdom is when I take what I know and I act on it because of the love, the way that that was the, the way that was imparted to me. And the third thing about wisdom, the third third thing about wisdom is this: is that wisdom gives us the map to where that road leads and tells us the truth about how it's going to end. Wisdom gives us the map and tells us where that road leads and gives us the truth, because they love our soul, about how that's going to end in our life. Does that make sense? Wisdom is someone coming up to you and saying, you know what, I love you, man, I just value you, I love your soul. And, and you know, so I have people in my life that have done that. And I'm not up here saying that I'm, I've arrived. I'm saying that wisdom is when, someone, when you allow someone into your life that loves you. And there's not a lot of these kind of people probably in your life. I think one great man of God said, that if you have more than three true friends in your lifetime, you're truly a fortunate person. It's amazing. But wisdom is when I allow somebody into my life to show me a map of where the road leads that I'm on right now that I don't even know I'm on. and they're saying, you know, I love you, and I want to tell you where this is going to go because I love you, and I don't want to see you get destroyed. And it tells us the truth about how that road ends. Why? Not to make us feel bad, not to make us feel like a terrible person, but because they love us. And this is the book of Proverbs. This is the book of Proverbs. The, The wisdom of, it's probably one of the greatest books in the Bible, the wisdom of a father, David, who with a huge heart but a very frail dad, Okay? I was thinking this morning, just getting ready, just thinking, you know, God, I, we are so frail. And it's just amazing that you have allowed us, you've put the gospel in frail lips for us to share The God. Isn't it amazing that God has, and God doesn't intervene a lot of times. He just, <laughs> He's not micromanaging his church. God is the greatest parent. Wisdom gives us the map to where that road leads and tells us the truth of how that road is going to end. You know something? You know what it takes to punch out of temptation when you sit down and just think, where is, this, where is this going? Where is this going to end? What's Monday going to look like? How am I going to feel? How's this going to impact my soul? How's this going to feel? How's this going to feel, uh, impact my emotions? Because um, that, word, that word, that big church word sin, that word sin, we have to like, and I think that the devil is always trying to redefine words in a religious way so that we cringe and we don't understand the, the true meaning of the word. The word sin means I'm missing the mark. It just means I'm missing the target. You know, um, Austin and I went shooting this week. We went to um, a range and uh, we were shooting. And I thought I was, I was aiming. And I was, thought I was aiming. I thought my aim was good. And I, you know how you pull that thing and that thing comes back at you and almost slaps you in the face, that, that piece of paper. And you look at it, it's like, wow, was I off? You know? And that's what sin is like. It's like, man, I think I'm aiming the right direction. I think I'm going to be happy about this. I'm shooting here. But I'm missing the mark and I need someone to tell me next time I go shooting go, I'm going to bring my laser pointer somebody gave me a laser pointer to put on a cheat so just giving you the heads up wisdom gives us the map it tells us where this is going to all go and like, with, that takes the punch out of temptation when I realize okay this is going to hurt and this is going to be painful that's the first word that we want to define wisdom what is wisdom okay the second word here is friend the second word is friend and how, how do we define a friend? This goes for us adults, too. How do we define a friend? A friend is someone who sticks closer than a brother. Right? You ever wonder about that word? Or a sister or a sibling? These days you have to say sibling. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's written. And you have to understand how these verses were written. Okay? When you understand where, how the verse was written and who was writing and what the culture was, Okay, when this is being written, what was the culture there? Think of it with me. Okay, when these verses were, be- where was it written? Okay, where was this written? Teens, where was this written? What part of the world? Where, was this- where are these verses written? It begins with middle. Middle East. middle East, all right. Middle East, this was written in the Middle East. Middle Eastern concept of family was what? That's two points. The Middle East culture was what? Was that family-oriented? But you think it was more family-oriented than the Western culture? Yes. yes. So when when Solomon is writing this, he's writing to he's writing in a culture to people that had very close families. And these are families that lived together. They they never really, I mean they just generations were living together. It was just sometimes very messy. But it was very, very close. And so what is being written here is that there is a friend that sticks closer than a sibling. Closer than a sibling. What does that mean? It means this, that this is someone that's going to be there for you. Like, when you look at a sibling, this is someone who's going to be there for you. They may not like you or may not want to hang out with you. I don't know, us adults, how many of your siblings are hanging out with you all the time as adults? All right, we got one. (laughs) Kim's got a point. (laughs) I got one. That's great. Kim's got all this. I have a sibling that like we like hanging out with each other. Um, we didn't grow up that way because it was above an age difference. But the siblings may not be... They, they're going to be there for us because of family, but they may not want to really do that because of just love. or They may. They may want to do that, and that's really awesome. But it's very possible that God gives you a friend that is closer to you than maybe family members. And this has happened in my life. This has happened with me in the church. God has given me people that have actually become so close to me because they were not my family, uh, they became a friend that was closer than a brother. And when we look at friendship, the world again, the world is always trying to redefine things. The world's always trying to define who you are as a teenager. Okay? Every day you wake up. You look at if you're on social media, you look at social media, you watch TV, you're reading Mac, whatever you're looking at, the internet is always trying to define you as a young girl who you're supposed to be. Okay? That's the world that's trying to define that, right? How many can attest to that? Or as a young man? The world, um, the fashions, the internet, TV, Hollywood, I mean everything is trying to tell you who you're supposed to be, right? Now, do you think the world loves you? Do you think that the world's going to come to your aid when you crash and burn? Right? No. Okay. Is, who's the guy that runs Facebook? Uh, yeah. Is he going to come to your house when, you, when you, someone unfriends you on Facebook? Is he going to come to your house and comfort you and counsel you? Is, some, is, is he going to come, and I, you know this is not against him. I don't even know him. I think he's, maybe he's a nice guy. But is he going to come to your house when, or, or is someone gonna is is someone gonna come to you when they, is he gonna come to you when someone leaves a really nasty comment on a picture that you posted in, in in good faith, like I think this is a great picture of me and my friends, and then someone leaves this really nasty comment or says something really stupid? No, because the world is always trying to define. Because there's some there's a there's a personality and there's a person there's an angel that is standing behind the world system that is. Um, that is energizing this whole system. How many of you kids have seen this old classic called uh, Wizard of Oz? I mean, the old one. Okay. got All right. Okay. <laughs> how, uh, you, how many have not seen that? Wizard of Oz. You have not seen that. Michael has not seen that. Michael has just lost a point. <laughs> all right. This is something from... When was this movie written? When was this produced? 50s? In the 50s. Lady, late forties. Okay, the whole thing that one of the one of the climaxes of the movie is is when Dorothy and these the company that she was with the Tin Man the Lion, lion and the Scarecrow. Thank you. Show up to Toto the dog. Can't forget Toto. Show up at the at the what? The little palace. The Crystal Palace, right? What was it Crystal? The, the Emerald Palace. Thank you, Emerald Palace. Okay. Emerald. They walk to this palace. They are there with all these hopes and dreams, right? Tin Man's going to get a heart, right? Uh, the lion's going to get courage, right? And then what's the scarecrow going to get? A brain. <laughs> okay, and what's, what's Dorothy going to get? She's going to get home, right? what's Toto going to get? A treat. She's going to get a dog bone. They all show up at this emerald's palace. This is the great destiny of hope. And they all show up. And they're looking. They're they're, going to meet the wizard who's going to give them all the dreams. Right? Give them all their answers. This is an old movie, but it just has so much meaning in it. So much interesting meaning. Um, And what happens? There's this big production. Scary lightning. Remember all the sounds. And just how intimidating it was for them. It was very scary. And what happens? What does Toto do? Right? Toto runs to the curtain and what happens pulls the curtain back and what is who is there this little guy right this little scared man who is just who is hiding and who is just afraid of being exposed and and is so insecure he's putting on this whole big production guess who that is that's the devil isn't he he's been defeated He's scared. He's hiding behind the world system. And he's trying to tell everybody who they are. The world does not love you. I just want that to th- sink in for a minute. The world does not love you. Okay? As much as we like some of these fashions, um, who's a, a big fashion designer? Just throw out a name out there that you guys know. Just. Huh? Okay, does Gucci love you? Does he love you? No, he does not love you. Does he love himself? Probably. Does he sell clothes for you or does he sell clothes for himself? The world does not love you. And I'm just kind of making this humorous points because the world tries to put the spotlight and tries to redefine what true friendship is. When you go to the store, when you go to Kroger, H-E-B, wherever you guys go, um, and you're in the checkout line. You see all these magazines, right? You see these glossy, shiny magazines. Do you see pictures? What do you see pictures of? Do you see pictures of two people that are friends, good friends through the good times and the bad? Someone that's going to tell you the truth, that that loves you, and that when the friendship gets messy, they stick closer to you than a brother because they know Christ. And they... no, you see individuals that are portraying the best of the flesh, right? Because the world, does not, the world does not value friendship. The world does not value friendship. The world is, wants to value, wants to put all the emphasis on a different kind of a relationship that is a physically uh, erotic by nature relationship. A friend, what is a friend? What is a friend? There's two things I want to say. Number one, a friend is someone who has chosen you. Think about that for a minute. Who is a friend that sticks closer than a brother? It's a friend that has chosen you. Maybe not because you both like the same things or that you're related, but because they see God's value in you. You know, and this is what's amazing about the body of Christ. You know, we moved here and uh, every day I think about this. You guys are going to get tired of hearing this, but my wife and I moved here and people joined us. Not because of us, because we're amazing people, but because they saw the value of God in, what, in, in what's happening in, in their lives and in the, in the lives of the people that are here. Amen? That's friendship. It means that somebody is going to come into your life and may not like everything that you're doing. may not like your whatever. Like your, you know, may not like the way you enjoy sports or your type of car or your clothing. But it's someone who has chosen you because of God. They have chosen you because of God. And those are true friends right there. They have chosen you. And this is called grace. Amen. This is called grace. It means that someone who steps into your life. And they choose you. They look at you and they say, you have great value. I see this great value. I see your potential. I see your future. And I'm choosing you to step into your life because of unconditional love. Because guess what? A friend is not the person. And Just get this with me. I'm not going to be much longer. A friend is not a person that chooses you to share an experience with. A friend is not someone who chooses you to share an experience with, a selfish experience. That can be drugs, that can be whatever, crazy relationships, whatever. That's not a true friend, because guess what happens after the experience? What happens after the experience? There's a sense of anger and betrayal, because they used you for their own selfish reasons. Am I I getting through here? Is that making sense? Have you ever had a relationship based on an experience and after the experience is done, you feel betrayed and you feel used. That is the story of just about every person on the planet. And that is not true friendship. It is just a person looking for another person to fulfill their needs. And that never goes anywhere. And it destroys you and it destroys your value. You and I are too valuable to be used by the world and by people. And so a friend is someone who has chosen you because not of you, but because of grace. You know, so this is what this church is. This church is here. We are here. And we were actually reaching out to people Last uh, yesterday. We went out and just met people. And we're choosing to meet people, not because we like them or they fit our social or our racial or our, um, or, or our economic um, uh, class. We just go out and just tell people we, God loves them because of the gospel of grace. And the second thing I want to say about friendship is that a true friendship, a true friendship is a relationship that has gone through the cross. It's gone through the cross. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that a relationship goes through the cross? And I don't want to lose you here. Stay tuned. What does a relationship that's gone through the cross mean? It means this. It means that two people or more, a family or a married couple or friends, have decided that they're not going to use their relationship to satisfy through experiences their selfishness. It means two people, two people look at each other and they say, you know something, I value you so much that I am not going to use you in an experience so that I can be gratified. Does that make sense? It means that I value someone so much that I don't wanna pull them down to the dark dungeon of, of desire, okay? It means that I respect that person so much that I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to surrender all my flesh and my stuff at the cross, like Chris was saying. I'm going to go to that altar and I'm going to die to that because I don't want to give that person my gross flesh. Okay? And that's what it means a friendship, a friendship that goes through the cross. It means two people that have the opportunities to do something outside the rules and nobody's watching, they exercise wisdom and they don't do it because there's something bigger between them, and that's Jesus Christ. That's an eternal purpose. That's a calling. And when that exists in marriage, if you can, if you can get married to a person like that, that's going to be awesome. All right? I want to finish, finish up with this. How do we choose friends? How do we choose a friend? And this is going to sound like social studies. I don't, I don't want it to sound like that, but first, before we even know how to choose who is a good friend, we have to look at the greatest friend, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus Christ. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. I don't know why just that was just the way it was. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, so Jesus was really a friend to me and I got to know Jesus. and I really ran to him in a lot of ways. And I did have friends but they didn't, didn't that didn't end well. And so I was forced to get to know Jesus as my greatest friend. And Luke 7:33 through34 says that Jesus was a friend of broken failures and losers. You know, he was just a friend of losers. You ever feel like, I don't know if you guys feel like this in school. I know some of you guys are taking courses for college already in high school. How many of you guys are doing that? Already taking classes for high school? You know, like I know some of you guys. Okay, that's incredible. I mean, that's so incredible. Because when I was in high school, that wasn't even offered. We weren't, when I was in high school, I couldn't even think beyond graduation day. And that, I don't know why. I just, just could not think beyond that. But you know something, do you guys ever feel? Let me just ask you this. I always wanted to ask you guys this. Have you ever felt that you can't just keep up? You're like, you do your homework, you do everything you're supposed to do, and it's just, you gave it your best, and it just wasn't enough. You ever feel that way? I don't know. I do. I feel that way. I think in Texas, in this society here, in American society, it's a very high achieving society, isn't it? And you get if you do. But you know something? Jesus was a friend of the people that didn't meet, that didn't make the grade. Jesus is a friend of the person that didn't have any friends. Jesus is our friend, and Jesus is an unconditional friend, and he sticks closer than a brother. I just want to tell you that when you feel rejected, when you, when you have a good friend that says, I don't want to be your friend anymore, uh, Jesus is your friend, and he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. And guess what? Relationships may end that way. God may allow relationships to end that way so that you can know one thing, that Jesus is there. When Paul was an old man, he was in jail. Every, he, had, he had poured out his whole life as a pastor, as an evangelist, as an apostle. And he said, "No one is here with me." Uh, in First Corinthians, he said, he said, "I am um, alone yet, but Jesus is with me." Jesus was Paul's friend. He is our closest friend. Think of it. Jesus knows everything about us. Okay? There's stuff about Jesus, but stuff about you that no one knows. and you never would want to tell anybody. Maybe you shouldn't tell anybody, but Jesus knows. And yet he's chosen to love us. See, Jesus is frank because he chose to love us. He chose us. Isn't that amazing? He chose us. Galatians chapter 1, verses I think 14 through 16 says this, and it's a little bit what Chris said kind of reminded me of this verse, that when Paul was in his mother's womb, he was sanctified and called in the gospel. And before Paul had any history in his flesh, And any history of making crazy mistakes and any history of killing people and rebelling against God, before any of that happened, God had a call on Paul's life. Isn't that amazing? That you and I have a history with God even before we have a history in the flesh. Isn't that great? God sees you and I. And he says, that's who you are. Not the guy that was messing up, but you are. And by the way, sometimes well-meaning people, um, and it's happened to me, are going to... uh, Project on you who they think you should be as a godly person. You know, and and that doesn't help, it kind of just pushes it away. What we need to do as a as a person is discover Jesus Christ and His friendship, that He loves us and that He does not condemn us, and that there is no condemnation of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. That is the gospel. There is no condemnation. He desires to be our first our our personal friend in 1 John 3:20. And this is our greatest confidence that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And it's only then when we know Jesus in, our, in, our, in, our in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is how we know how to choose our friends. I'm going to finish with this. That, that um, in order to have good friends, we first have to allow Jesus to be our friend. And when we look at Jesus and we look at his unfailing love towards us, his unconditional love towards us, guess what happens? We begin to look for that in other people. And guess what? We begin to love the unlovely. Ever see someone in, in high school that just kind of been kicked off to the side or just not popular or just maybe they're they're having a lot of trouble at home. Did your heart ever go out to them? That's health that's healthiness. And as a teenager, when someone when you reach out of your circle and you go and you befriend somebody who is Maybe not popular or loved. You're showing Christ's love to them. And that is maturity. I let's finish with this. You and I are not who we choose to be. This culture that we live in is an individualistic, uh, liberal society that says you choose who you're going to be. No, we do not choose who we're going to be, as this society says. We are in the, and I'll prove it to you. In your family, did you get to choose your last name? No. Maybe, I mean, no, you did not. Uh, were, you, were there some very important things that were being formed in your life spiritually and naturally that you weren't even aware of as a young person, as a very young girl or a very young boy? No, we are being formed by our family. But later on in our life, guess who forms us? It's the people that we're hanging out with. The pe- and we, it is impossible to hang out with people without them influencing us in some way. Where you're working where you are going to school, uh, whatever circles we are in, be careful because that will, in, in, and other people will see it and you won't see it. It'll change who you are. And so guard the people. I mean, maybe you're working in the world. Maybe you have, you're have you going to a college that's worldly. But guard your heart and and ask God for godly friends because a godly friend is someone that's going to help form you into who God has made you to be. And I want to finish with this. Draw near... To Jesus Christ, who is your true friend of your soul, and He's going to guide you in your friendships and in all of your decisions. And so I hope these words help you this morning to understand what wisdom is, what a friend is, and who Jesus Christ is in your life. And let's just bow our heads for a moment, and um, I just want